Okay, so confession. I am really, really behind on all things AI. I mean, I know a couple months ago, people were just spending time testing it. People have used AI, artificial intelligence, to save them all kinds of time. They've integrated it into their workflows. And I I just... I've played with it a few times. I just can't say that I'm I'm fully there and I'm still doing things the old school way. Now, I know that there are some benefits to using the different um, artificial intelligence technologies out there, but I've heard lots of rumblings about how there are ways that using AI can be problematic as it relates to inclusion. And those are some things that I wanted to explore. And since clearly I am not the expert um, in AI, since I haven't spent so much time there, I brought in one of my inclusive marketing friends who also happens to have a degree in data science and understands artificial intelligence and machine learning at a much deeper level. And because she's also an inclusive marketer, she can provide another great lens and layer to this. So after this short break, you're going to hear my conversation. It's really a conversation where I'm learning. I'm sitting at the feet of Joanne learning because I'm really so much the student in this conversation. You're going to hear our discussion all about artificial intelligence and how to think about it and use it from an inclusive perspective so that as you're using it into your workflows or thinking about incorporating it into the way you work, you're doing it in a manner that is inclusive and that doesn't have all the bias that's baked into it. All right, after this short break, you'll hear that discussion. Hey, okay, I've got another podcast recommendation for you. It's Latinx in Power, hosted by Thaisa Fernandez. It's brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. This podcast features interviews with top-level executives, entrepreneurs, and innovators from Latin America, aiming to demystify the tech industry by providing listeners with insider perspectives and insight from Latin American leaders who have succeeded in their fields. I like listening to this podcast because I like hearing from a broad diversity of voices and hearing from and learning from their experiences. One episode I'm super excited to dive into is the latest one, Lead Generation Journey with Glenville Dixon Jr. Listen to Latinx Empower wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Joanne, thanks so much for joining me today. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me back. Oh, it's totally my pleasure. I'm glad that I know we did that reaction show, but I'm glad to like just kind of sit and chat with you more in detail about more of like your your area of subject matter expertise, because this is a good one. Um, Everybody's talking about the world of AI. So before we do that, just tell the people who are you and what do you do? So my name is Joanne Boyce. I am the founder of a company called Include AI. Um, But I'm also an inclusive marketing consultant, and my background is inclusive marketing for the past, coming up to six or seven years? Anyways, 2017. And during that time, being an inclusive marketing consultant, I had an idea for a tech software and decided to complete a master's in data science and just really dive into the research around data bias, AI bias, and algorithmic bias. That's super cool. So side little tangent. Mm -hmm. So when we're recording this, 
there's Cat Williams' interview recently broke the internet, right? I don't know if you've seen it. I sat I down and watched the whole two hours and 40-something minutes of it because I knew there was going to be some good content that came out of it. Anyway, um, one of his gripes with his fellow comedians mm-hmm. was that they don't do the work sufficient to respect the craft, mm. right? And so you saying, oh, I had an idea for a company and then I went and got a degree in this thing so that I can understand, like, it's just like, wow, the respect that you have put on this craft and understanding it, bravo, 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 because a lot of people aren't gonna do that. They're just gonna go and build something and maybe like do some research, like, like you you really have gone a different level. So I'm excited. What, what was the thing, most interesting thing that you learned from this, like going through the process of getting this degree? So, It's so funny because I didn't think my idea was revolutionary. I didn't think using AI to find bias was like life-changing. But then when I started speaking to people in the field, they're like, no, that's not the way we do it. That's not the way. This is back in 2020. Okay. So I started the master's and I was really like, yes, I'm going to learn all the nitty gritty, everything about it. I'm going to learn a lot more than I could learn on YouTube. Only for our machine learning lecturer to literally say in the class, oh, why did you guys do this. You should have just learned on YouTube. Oh, wow. (laughs) Um, So that always cracks me up. But I think back to him saying that because I think he was trying to talk about the speed of things. Okay. And the speed of the the sector moving. And a lot of things that I learned because I was trying to build a startup at the same time, I was implementing and I already had advanced questions by the next class. Uh, Okay. So one of the things I learned and it kind of prepared me for where we are now is the speed of the movement. It's not like any other subject area. Yeah. Things change basically almost daily to weekly. Absolutely. That's true. That's true. I'm still behind a lot on AI. Um, I don't use it very much. Um, I've just started dabbling in it. So I'm very excited to learn more about this. Mm -hmm. Um, I think uh, the most of what I've learned from AI, I've learned from you. (laughs) And from resources that you've given me. So I'm curious... Um, in a world where AI, artificial intelligence seems to be everywhere, what mm-hmm. are your thoughts on the impact that it will have on business, the way marketers do the work, and ultimately the experiences that brands are delivering to consumers? So this is multi-layered and yes. it's an area of, first we have to say which type of AI we're talking about. If we okay. talk about the customer experience first, that is normally analytical AI. So that's taking data, making predictions, and really trying to say, we have all this data on an audience from Arizona. What can we learn from that data to then replicate and target an audience in New York? That predictive AI, I think, is going to be revolutionary, but businesses have been using that for a very long time. That's what okay. Google's kind of built off of. Okay. So I think the speed and the access of that is going to change where smaller businesses are going to get access to artificial large audience data a lot easier to make their predictions. And I think that's going to be helpful for smaller businesses. Okay. Because a lot of the times they're just kind of guessing over like 2,000, 3,000. That's not enough data to really predict next two, three years of product. Okay. But then when you're looking at generative AI, which is what's in the news now, anything about creating something from nothing, essentially. Okay. That is where marketers are really infiltrating and using the tools. That's your chat GPTs, that's your BARD, that is your any text-to-image kind of tools. Okay. Those things are going to change the work 
flow for marketers because especially in the bigger organizations where you had a lot of step processes of like, oh, this person has idea, then they go to this person, then they go to that person, then the concept is developed and then you take the concept to the client. Now you can just generate the idea. Oh, okay. So maybe the question is, even understanding what is artificial intelligence. So you just broke it down into two forms. Mm-hmm. But if based on what you were saying, I've been using AI for years and just never thought of it in that way. So anytime, like I'll use a software like Veed to put captions on my videos, but it's gen- it's auto-generating those captions. So is that like AI or whenever we're having something do transcripts and they're like, auto-generating transcripts, is, is that a form of AI? It's a, this is where it gets tricky. It's a form of machine learning. Okay. So the transcripts are really good because they could take a lot of things that people manually transcribed mm-hmm. and match the sound to the word. So it's okay. not necessarily AI. It's just like a machine has learned how to match the sound to the word. Okay. Um, and that's been around for years. But the AI you've been using for the longest while and never thought about is face recognition to open your phone. Oh, okay. That has been AI from day dot. And then we've had some more kind of generic AI models, like, because it's just an algorithm, essentially. Like, when we think about the work you and I do, about pattern matching and, you know, looking for skills, that's our own personal algorithm. Yes. Bias detection. Okay. Figuring out, you know, is this car safe to get to? You look one, two, three, and you... That's our own generic algorithm. Okay. But the generative AI we're seeing now is what's come about since, I believe, 2017. And that's taken a whole bunch of stuff out there okay. and just making stuff up. Okay. All right. So before we dive in a little bit deeper, let's just be super clear. There's mm-hmm. two different definite like there's two different terms. There's machine learning and then there's mm-hmm. artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. Can you just explain briefly? What is one and what is the other? (laughs) So machine learning, I can't explain, but AI is being debated. And this is what it makes it really hard where my marketing self and my data science self conflicts. Yes. Because the marketing explanation, anything that is created, anything out of nothing and using data is how I'd explain it as a marketer. Okay. It's using data to create something. It's pulling it out of the air. Okay. But as a data scientist, AI doesn't exist. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow, this is very complex. <laughs> okay. Um, the reason as a data scientist AI doesn't exist is because as humans, we've got this understanding of what intelligence is. Okay. And that is being able to reason, being able to really work something out. Right. And what AI is today is the way I describe it as is a very well-trained puppy. Okay. Okay. And so you, one of the, what you, one of the things that you said, which I really liked how you said it, like we're already using our own generic sort of intelligence models in the ways in which we go about and do our work in the systemic ways, but it might not be like fully sophisticated in the technology space, which Mm -hmm. is, I'm guessing why there are some product offers that brands are making where it's like you can build your own AI where it's only your own information. Like there was this one software that was like, you could build your own AI and basically I can just like 
import or upload all of my podcast interviews, all of my articles, all of my YouTube videos, all of my courses. And it just sort of, it's my own AI sort of built based upon my own knowledge base, I guess you would say. Kind of. So taking the puppy analogy, it's like someone has already house trained the puppy. Okay. And they're going to give it to you and you're going to customize it to your home. Oh, okay. They did all that early hard work. Okay. Okay. Because to train your own model and to like, like train your own puppy, it takes a lot to, yeah. to really get them to even not like, you know, pee in your house. Yeah. The bare minimum. Yeah. But if it comes with all of that already sorted, you can chuck in all your other stuff and then it's customized to you. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. So much to learn. And like, as you start to talk about it, you realize how like we muddle all these terms together and it, it can be quite confusing in thinking about it. Okay. On a previous episode, which I, mm-hmm. which was Inclusive Marketers React, and we talked about a number of different brands. I'll drop a link to in the show notes so you can access it easily. But on a previous episode, you talked about AI feeding into biases that already exist. And it basically magnifies them. I think you said like five times or maybe it was even more. Can you just talk about a little bit about like, why is this happening? <laughs> why does this exist? So specifically speaking about generative AI, using that puppy analogy, is a puppy that has been trained on a bunch of stuff, let's say about 60% of content online. And if we think about the rollout of content and who got access to it, it started mm-hmm. with wealthy people, in, t- in terms of the internet, sorry. It started with wealthy people, then men, then... And so we know the oppression Olympics we know yeah. the stacking order of that. So it's not that people aren't in there from a diverse background. It's the percentage of representation. And because the AI or the puppy is trying to learn and replicate that, it's saying, okay, if there are only 20% women in this data set, I will only put... This person who's asked me a question about women doesn't care. So I will show them men over and over and over again until okay. they specifically ask me about women. Now, the okay. research is saying that if we continue to use generative AI, because it has this really biased data set, we're going to get 10% worse bias because people are generating content faster and they're not specifying what they need. So when they say, I need a news reporter or an image of a news reporter, yeah. and they get a white man, they publish. Yeah. They're not vetting it. Yeah, okay. Which is why in that episode, one of the examples that we were talking about was Barbie and BuzzFeed had created like these Barbies from around the world. So there was like a Barbie that was AI generated for each country. And let's say like the Barbie from Nigeria had like guns and AK-47s and all their kind of stuff associated with her. It's because let's say there's an abundance or an outsized number of articles or content that references Nigeria with this bias so the Mm -hmm. ai associates nigeria this is what exists is that kind of like the way in which we get to that point okay so if there's a lot of content written by men and there are references to doctors or what is beautiful look like or whatever and it's all sort of focused on one idea of beauty or they then it's going to spit out <laughs> what it's been fed with. So garbage in, garbage out, bias in, bias out. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. going to do it more and faster because when you think, going back to the puppy analogy, it wants to please you. 
It wants yeah. to be right. It's trained to okay. get a right response from you. Okay. All right. So can you give some examples, like practical examples from marketers? Because most marketers aren't going to be doing what BuzzFeed did in that one thing, trying to create Barbies from around the world. But like, what are some practical examples of whenever you're using a AI and it has that bias built in, what is what might that look like from a downside in your marketing? So if we go from research to publishing content, the starting area would be if you're using a tool like ChatGPT or something to help you generate information on an audience, be aware that it's probably going to be 95% American. Okay, it's going to yeah. be mostly male, mostly white. So make those assumptions. And when you're taking that data, you need to take it with a biggest grain of salt. Okay. The one thing I can say is that do not trust any generative AI tools out there. Okay. Okay. They are made to please you. They are made to to make you happy. They are golden retrievers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the information they bring you might be really helpful and really useful, but it's a certain perspective and it's likely to be helpful and useful to the majority. Okay. Okay. Finding a service solution that helps you better connect with customers and keep them happy can feel impossible. Like trying to remember the name of that guy you just met at a networking event. Was it Ron or could it be Don or John or Sean? Yeah, that kind of impossible. HubSpot's all new service hub can help. Well, with the service solution part, at least. It brings service and success together on one powerful platform, for the first time ever, with an AI-powered help desk and an AI chatbot that handles frontline tickets fast. Plus, it comes with a customer success workspace that helps reps anticipate customer needs in a full 360 view of every customer so your go-to-market team can keep a pulse on accounts before trying to upsell or cross-sell. Also, you can scale support and drive retention and revenue. And you know what that means. Better service and happier customers at every stage of the journey. Visit HubSpot.com service to do more for your customers today. Are there ways that people can go about de-biasing AI as they're using it? <laughs> oh, <laughs> short answer, not within your day-to-day. There's ways where you can, so going back to when you said about having your own algorithm. Mm -hmm. So if you're using one of the, the tips I give when people are using like ChatGPT, for example, yeah, you have your own thread of conversation with it. Okay. Okay. And you can specify things in that. Okay. So you can specify, for example, one of the examples you can try is if you ask it, if you put in your job title mm -hmm. and say, write a LinkedIn post in second person. That's a quick way to see the bias towards it. A lot of the times, any LinkedIn posts are going to be gendered male. So it's going to use he pronouns. And the language it uses on LinkedIn is probably more salesy. So those are the things, yeah. once you know how it's doing it for the work you're doing, then tell it not to do that. Okay. But you have to figure that out first to tell it to not do it. So it's kind of like we've learned that because of the differences that we have, we need to search in search engines for things that are specific to us and what we need. So, mm -hmm. you know, whenever I was planning for 
my wedding and I was looking for different hairstyles for my wedding and I wanted to look at updos, I needed to say updos natural hair or updos mm-hmm. black women to be able to get the specific results because what it was showing me were updos of women who did not look like me and whose hair is completely different texture. So it wasn't quite what I was needing. Mm-hmm. So whenever I want to look for something, let's say I needed to look for updos and like I have to train it and say black updos, natural hair to get that specific. Is that the kind of specificity that you're recommending that people get whenever they're doing their prompts? So when you're doing your prompts, um, it's good to think, but this is the thing I've realized and I realized this, I don't know if you picked it up when you're doing inclusive market training as well. Some of the white marketeers I've met are afraid to type in the word black into stock photos. Really? To find a black woman. Why? And it's just like, because they feel like they shouldn't have to, spec- so they're not used to it. So one, it doesn't come, it either doesn't come to their mind. And two, they, they don't know what to type to get it. Okay. And three, they feel like they shouldn't be typing that thing. Oh, Okay. So there's like a lot of extra from a mindset standpoint that we got to work through to get people mm-hmm. comfortable. Yeah. I, I, I noticed that people who are not black yeah. fumble over using the word black. Like I think people can say they're more comfortable saying African-American, which I almost exclusively use the term mm-hmm. black. <laughs> Um, and so I think that it makes people who aren't black, it makes them uncomfortable to say it. So it, it seems like it doesn't seem like a far stretch to hear that they're fumbling over and even typing it. <laughs> yeah. And even with AI as well, because they are treating it as this intelligence, again, I don't like the word, but yeah. they're assuming it's giving them the right answer for the question they've asked. So they're assuming if it, if they've yeah. asked for a woman and it's given them a white woman with blonde hair, that is the woman. You know, they're not, people aren't taught to question technology. Yeah, yeah, which is dangerous, especially if it's filled with all kinds of biases. Okay, what recommendations do you have for business owners who want to use AI, but like don't want to be filled with all these biases? <laughs> I think if you're stepping into using AI in anything you're doing, especially in the marketing space, just be specific about what and why and have checks in place. Okay. So the what and the why, if you're trying to reduce a person's job role, it will not do that. Not mm-hmm. as yet. It's nowhere near. Okay. Um, but if you're trying to give them more time, then yeah. you're on the, the right track with the more time. And then what you're using it for. There's a lot happening. As of the time we're recording it, there's currently a court case going on between OpenAI and the New York Times. Mm -hmm. So if you're using it for external things and you're publishing it, my highest recommendation right now is to state that something is AI generated to cover yourself in future instances. Okay. Um, Yeah. Especially if it's imagery as well, because a lot of that is quite clear that it's been related to something else. In terms of text, you don't necessarily have to state it's, it's AI generated, but check it like you would check a junior who's writing content for you. Yeah. Have the same sure. level okay. of discernment. And um, fact checking. And then the final thing, the fact checking is, is key because it loves to lie. <laughs> um, the final thing I would say is diversify the tools. Everyone's experimenting. Going back to that puppy analogy, 
everyone's training their puppy and the majority of those puppies are coming out of the OpenAI factory at the moment. Okay. So just because one tool is giving you this result doesn't mean you'll get it from another one. And sometimes it is beneficial to go to other tools that even though they're pulling from the open AI, yeah. they've trained it in a different way. Yeah. Okay. Um, the specific one I think of is um, there's a tool called copy.ai. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of it or played with it at all? I've heard of it, but I have not played with it. <laughs> I'm behind on playing with, with different AIs. <laughs> but I like copy.ai because it's taken the simplest aspects of copywriting mm-hmm. and trained models for each aspect of it. Okay. Whereas you get these bigger tools that are like, we can do everything. But if you and I know, like when you want to write a social post versus a blog, it's a very different mindset. Yeah, for sure. And they've separated out all those models. So you can go in and be like, I want to do this. I want it to generate it like this. And it will do it based in the knowledge of a blog, based in the knowledge of a post. And it has it has better quality, I find, than straight from ChatGPT. Yeah, okay. No, I totally get that. All right. Now, you got down this path because you wanted to start a business. Can you tell us more about this business and like include AI? Like, what is it? How does it help marketers? And like, where? Like, yeah, tell us about it. <laughs> so the idea was generated back in like 2018-ish. And I think you and I have spoken about this, the H&M Coolest Monkey Jungle mm-hmm. situation. Yes, I remember diving into that one and really trying to figure out how is it a team of over 200 people couldn't spot the context that a little black boy wearing a sweater that said monkey was bad. And I turned to my friends back then and I was just like, oh, you guys work in tech. That should be easy. One plus one equals racist. So that was that's kind of like the mission and the goal to get a tool that can understand that level of context, and that level of detail. Um, so we're still in development phase at the moment and we're exploring the language aspect of it. Okay. Where we're looking at analyzing language in a way to tell people the deeper level. So not just that this is a bad word or you shouldn't say this phrase, but how is this going to be understood by your audience? Is your audience going to perceive this as offensive? Because that also okay. can be different in different markets. Okay. Um, so we're doing a lot of research and development of how to use tools and create data sets to do that. And it's a tricky space because DNI is always a tricky space, especially when you're applying it to tech. <laughs> you really have to to have a lot of strength to to push through the the tech sector in this area. Yeah, for sure. Um, when can like is this available now? Can people start using it, playing around with it for their own brands? They can, but they do have to sign up and we're onboarding teams, a small teams to do test beta testing and just to really understand how they're using it. Because one of the problems we discovered last year is, well, I feel like this is a duh problem for anyone working in marketing, but no <laughs> one team's um, approval process is the same. Yeah, so, that's true. Yeah, Everyone has a whole bunch of different approval processes. Yeah, which makes integrating it and like making it the final check or do your checking in along the way because you don't want to get to the final and we're like, oh gosh, it's racist. We need to do the whole thing over again, right? Like there's no <laughs> putting a Band-Aid yeah. on it to fix it, right? So, um, okay, as we wrap up, I'm just super curious. Do you have a, a time where a brand made you feel like you belonged? Like, can you share an example of a time where a brand made you feel like you belonged? Ooh, 
this is so tricky because I spend so long looking at the opposite end of that. <laughs> to... uh, oh, gosh. It's really not coming to me. I've just got a generic one. Obviously, Fenty Beauty was a really good one. But that's been a mm-hmm. while now. I know, actually, I had an experience where I didn't realize I was missing. I was, I told you when I, when I visited America in Boston, we were waiting for an Uber and we were at a bus stop. And I turned around. And I just saw a Pampers ad with a little black baby. And I just had this moment. My friend was like, what's wrong with you? And I'm just like, the baby, I want one. <laughs> I, I don't. I am <laughs> far too busy. But it was the first time I have seen, and it's, it's such a simple thing because you think you see baby ads all the time, but I've never seen yeah. um, in the UK a Pampers or a, that kind of diaper ad where the only baby was a little black baby. And it was huge. Yeah. And I was just staring at this yeah. cute baby's face. And I was like, oh, you could be my baby. Yeah. Like, I, I want one. I don't. Just making sure the universe hears me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but I think that's amazing because sometimes you don't realize how much you miss something or need something that's been absent until you see it or you have it. So I think that's that's a mm-hmm. wonderful example. All right. Well, where can people find you if they want to learn more about you and your work? I'm going to drop a link to your Include AI in the show notes. People can find it easily. But where can people find you? So I am all on LinkedIn these days. The social media space has changed. LinkedIn is now the place to be. So you can find me on LinkedIn. That is Joanne Boyce. And yep, you can sign up to be a beta tester of Include AI. But yeah, feel free to slide in my LinkedIn DMs, ask me any questions, AI bias related. Happy to answer them. Nice. And you also have a super cool podcast, Marketing Made Inclusive. I was a guest on the show, so I'll also drop a link to it. So if people want to get another dose of inclusive marketing from a different perspective, which I think it's cool because you're in the UK and it's a different perspective. There's different examples, different brands. And because, you know, there's not only one lens, I think it's just fascinating to hear a perspective from a different from a different country and different things that are going on. All right. Any parting words of wisdom for marketers and business leaders who want to use AI and they want to be inclusive? <laughs> um AI is a tool, not a replacement for people. And it is a puppy, so treat it like one. It will make mistakes. It will mess up. It will do all the things. Don't trust it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay. I really, really enjoyed that chat with Joanne. I learned so much. There's a lot to learn, a lot to explore, a lot to play with with regards to AI, because as with any tool, like we do need to make sure that we're taking the time to see how it's going to impact the work that we do and ultimately how it's going to impact the people that we're serving from the various identities that they have and they hold. So that's it for today's episode. If you like this show, I would so appreciate it if you would leave a rating and review for it in your podcast player of choice. It really does go a long way towards helping more people discover the show. Speaking of rating and reviews, I was so excited when I saw this one come through from Rob Kulas D. I'm not exactly sure. Hopefully I'm saying your name right, Rob, but thank you so much for leaving this review. Rob says, great variety. I really enjoy these weekly podcasts and all things marketing and business 
inclusional marketing podcast, inclusive ideas, and the right way to keeping yourself and your clients happy. I think that it's the variety of topics that keeps me coming back for more. Definitely, there's a whole lot of variety and a whole lot of topics to cover. Rob, I'm so glad that you are listening. I hope you keep enjoying all the topics that are going to be coming your way in the future. Thanks again so much for taking the time to leave that review. If you would like a shout out, definitely go ahead and leave a review and I will read it here on the show um, and express my deep appreciation for you. One other question for you. Are you getting the inclusion and marketing newsletter? If not, like really, what are you even doing? Each week I send news, tips, insights, examples, and sometimes even some technology recommendations. Also, you can help build an inclusive brand that attracts and retains a bigger, more diverse customer base and makes them feel like they belong. Go to inclusionandmarketing.com newsletter to get signed up. I will drop a link to it in the show notes for you so you can access it easily. Until next time, remember, everyone deserves to have a place where they belong. Let's use our individual and collective power to ensure more people feel like they do. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.